0: Listen to Season 2 of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from
2: Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay. And me, Simone Boyce.
4: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
5: In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in the Jinx. Now, the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching The Furthest Thing from the Truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: He'll forget about the video game you gave him on his birthday.
2: Wow! Thanks, Grandpa!
6: but he'll never forget how you invested in his future with the UNEST app. Wow. Thanks, Grandpa. The UNEST app makes it easy for grandparents and family friends to give funds to a child's investment account for a limited time. Download the UNEST app and use the code IHEART50 at sign up to receive a $50 bonus when you fund your account. That's code IHEART50 when you sign up at unest.co for a $50 bonus. See terms and conditions at unest.co.
7: It's hard to not be discouraged. Climate change, abortion bans, attacks on the LGBTQ plus community. But you can do your part by switching to Credo Mobile. Credo Mobile gives you service on the nation's best network. And it's the only phone company that donates a portion of their proceeds to progressive nonprofit groups each month. Right now, get a $250 prepaid card when you switch to Credo. And they'll donate $50 to the Transgender Law Center with code PODCAST50. That's credomobile.com, code PODCAST50.
4: What if I told you there was more to the story behind game-changing events? Get ready for my new podcast, That Moment with Damon John. Every Tuesday on the Black Effect Podcast Network, we'll jump into the personal stories of some of the most influential people on the planet, from business moguls and celebrities to athletes and artists. Join me every Tuesday for That Moment with Damon John on the Black Effect Podcast Network, the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever. you go to get your podcasts like a good neighbor state farm is there
8: curiosity stream is the streaming service for people who want to know more And now, check out Curiosity's new series, The Real Wild West. Rolling Stone Magazine says it's the history of the West they usually don't teach you.
0: The mythology of the West left out a lot of the
8: people. People said they'd never seen a black cowboy. This is the history book, but did you know about these other facts? Watch The Real Wild West now on Curiosity Stream. With monthly annual and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at CuriosityStream.com.
3: Welcome to the Piketon Massacre, a production of iHeartRadio and KT
9: Studios. The only way I can really describe it is this is orchestrated. If you orchestrate something, that goes to planning. Everybody understands their position in the orchestra. They understand what notes to hit. They have a specific purpose and a job. They know the area and they know the prey. They know the nature of these individuals. Hell, they they know where their homes are. They know where security cameras are. They know what they have to defeat to get past these, whether it be locks, timing relative to bedtime. They know all this. That's why this is so shocking when you begin to think about it is the level of orchestration involved to pull this thing off.
3: This is The Piketon Massacre, Return to Pike County, Season 2. Episode 4, The Houses on Union Hill Road. I'm Courtney Armstrong, a television producer at KT Studios with Stephanie Lidecker and Jeff Shane.
0: Over 200 investigators and police officers have contributed so far to this ongoing investigation. As of
3: today, they say they received
1: 883 tips, conducted 465 interviews, did 38 search warrants and 60 cyber extractions. Without question, this has been by far the longest, most complex and labor-intensive investigation the Ohio Attorney General's office has ever undertaken.
10: As an investigator, I've worked uh, any number of mass killings. I've never covered anything like this.
3: That's coroner, distinguished professor, and criminal forensics expert Joseph Morgan.
10: It is not a normal thing to walk into a house and see a bloodbath. It's something that borders on the apocalyptic.
3: From the outset, the sheer magnitude of the case posed huge investigative hurdles for the Pike County Sheriff's Office.
10: Pike County, it's its a rural county, the poor. They don't have a lot of money. It's not judgment, it's just the reality of it. When you begin to think about those detectives that were from this little area up there, for Pike, you know, from Pike County Sheriff's Department, it's something they'd never borne witness to. It leads to limitations in your ability to process things. So... It is a Herculean undertaking for for these investigators.
3: And less than a month into the investigation, authorities made what seemed to many like an unusual decision.
11: Work has already begun to move the homes where eight members of the Roden family were found shot to death last month in Pike County, Ohio. The judge has authorized his people to load the four mobile homes and transport them about four and a half miles north to the Investigation Command Center in Waverly to preserve the crime scenes.
3: While we talked with Joseph Morgan, we looked over aerial photos of the crime scenes before the mobile homes were removed. They're all we have to go on as no crime scene photos have been released. There's a mock-up showing the placement of the properties on our Instagram. The first few images were of the property where Chris Sr. and Frankie Roden's trailers were located. Jeff got Morgan's thoughts on Pike County's relocation strategy.
4: Looking at these aerial photos while we're talking about it, what really struck me they lived in trailers, but these look more like homes that are in the ground that aren't going anywhere. To me, that, like the crime scene, is the most important part, and moving them, like that seems like this was, that would not be so easy.
10: After the termination of this case, and when it's finally, com- these cases are all adjudicated, I'm gonna wanna study this from a crime scene perspective because I wanna learn how they did this, I wanna teach this. Because if they did it effectively, it's something that somebody could write an academic paper on. I mean, it's it's that big a deal. If you look at this image, you would have to detach that mobile home completely. And it's probably a foundational structure. So it's it's at least has a cinder block foundation that is built, you know, around the thing so that they can build the stick, build the structure around it and then attach it to the mobile home. Just the sheer logistics of detaching this thing from the ground. I've certainly, you know, never worked a case that involved multiple mobile homes that where people had been in dwelling for years that are plumbed and have electricity run to them and have foundations and that they're just lifted up off the ground and taken from there. This is a monumental task in order to facilitate this. You got to make sure that nothing is going to be disrupted in transit because everything is relative. It's relative. There's distance relationships. There's time relationships because things degrade, they change. We've got bullet holes. Well, this is not like going into a static home. It's moving back and forth as it's kind of going down the road. So it's shifting. Well, what if it shifts just a few millimeters relative to if you're trying to pull trajectories on these bullets. So to that end, it really gives you pause to think, uh, why was it that you wanted to move it from this location?
3: By any measure, investigating the Roden murders was a massive undertaking. Eight bodies spread out across four bloody crime scenes. And soon after the victims were found, Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation and FBI agents were called in to help lead the charge. But, according to Joseph Morgan, before the rodents' mobile homes were moved, it was imperative that authorities analyze the scenes in their original states.
10: Viewing that body in the context and the environment in which it is found, that's where the tale is told at that point. And you have to allow the body to tell you that story. Maybe the person was face down. They were face down in bed, they're in a prone position, Someone walked up behind them, maybe when they were unaware, maybe they were sleeping and at close range they put a single round into the back of their head. Well, I don't want to move or manipulate the body until it's time to remove it from the scene after it's been measured and uh, examined for things like postmortem changes and documented photographically. I don't want to change the body at all. I want to see what the body is telling me at current. The body is the biggest piece of evidence that you have because that is obviously in this case, the target of what the individuals were striving for. That's where the most force is brought to bear. That's where the most violence takes place. That's where you have the most transference that's gonna take place from one object to the body or from one body to another body.
3: The violence perpetrated by the alleged assailants, the Wagners, in the Roden case was unusually brutal. 32 gunshot wounds between eight victims. All but one shot in the head. And the evidence collected on the scene and in the lab will all contribute to chronicling what transpired on the night of April 21st, 2016. In light of Jake Wagner's plea deal, this story will be integral for the prosecution's case against the other three Wagners accused in the murders.
11: Exactly five years after the Roden murders in Pike County, one of the four defendants, Jake Wagner, is pleading guilty to all counts. In exchange, he avoids the death penalty and will serve multiple life sentences with no chance at parole. His father, mother, and brother are similarly charged, and they've pleaded not guilty. To help them avoid a possible death sentence, prosecutors say that Jake will testify against them.
3: I spoke with Joseph Morgan about how Jake Wagner's plea will impact upcoming trials.
9: We need to understand the larger narrative here. He's now on the outside. Jake is on the outside. He's no longer, for all intents and purposes, part of the family. He is going to be a state's witness at this point in time. So you're going to have defense counsel. They want to prevent the state from validating anything that this young man has to say.
3: So Jake's already pled guilty. He's already implicated his family. Why is how these murders happened important now?
9: They want to try to uh, either put all of the blame on him and say that our our defendants had nothing to do with this whatsoever. It's all on him. He suddenly got a guilty conscience, had, you know, what we say, a come to Jesus moment and decided to roll over on everything. And it's all him, all by himself. It doesn't matter what we think. What's going to matter? is what the jury thinks moving forward. At the end of the day, everybody else will be able to draw their own conclusions, but how in the world is this going to be presented to the jury? You're gonna need a playbill to keep up with all of the, all of the various permutations here, because if you've got you know, four different parties here, I'm including Jake in this and what he's saying to, to the prosecution, you got four different parties here, Uh, that are giving you different scenarios it's going to be tasked to someone to try to make sense of all this and that someone that, that that group of people are going to be the jury it will be explained before the court and the people
10: in that jury box and before the judge they will say well we know that at this hour on the 21st this occurred and then moving forward this is when the bodies were found well what occurred between these moments in time.
3: Studying the aerial photos of the crime scenes, Stephanie put into perspective just how overwhelming a task it is putting the story of
12: the road murders together. Just seeing these photos now firsthand and walking through them with you only offers up more questions for us. This was not a small operation.
10: This was huge. The volume of this case is one of the most striking things for me, I think. You know, out of Every case that I cover, I don't recall a case like this that's blood-soaked. And it is spread far and wide. There's so many pieces that have to be put into place with this. You're leapfrogging from this bloodbath to another bloodbath. The forensics alone were highly complicated just from a geographic distribution standpoint. It's like a beautiful mirror okay, that someone had hanging on their wall, and somebody with specific intent went in and destroyed this mirror and crashed it down into thousands and thousands of pieces. And then it is your job to make sense of these broken pieces and try to put it back together, not necessarily to make it usable again, but to try to understand what happened, what affected its destruction, to what degree is it destroyed, uh, what what instrumentality may have destroyed it, and what what the timing was like on this. How long has this thing been destroyed?
3: We spoke with Joseph Morgan about the importance of timeline in a multiple homicide case.
10: Timeline is essential here because, uh, you know, we, we just have these bits and pieces coming out about the order of death. They're going to be really focused on the body and the changes in the body and the traumas the body has sustained and all those sorts of things. So, I think that that's that's something that's critical.
3: As we studied the aerial images of the crime scenes, along with the autopsy reports, Morgan tried to piece together the chronology for us. Because his body was in a more advanced state of decomposition, it's been speculated that victim Chris Roden Sr. was the killer's first victim. So, we started by looking at the layout of his trailer. Joseph points it out what could have been the killer's way in. Here he is talking to Stephanie.
10: They have a a poured parking pad right there. And there's like a sidewalk that extends up to that's a ramp.
12: Yeah. Walking up into this little walkway into the porch area and therefore into the front door. There's this entire runway, which was likely where the assailants entered, correct?
10: So that brings me to this point. How many locks would have had to have been defeated on that door in order to gain entrance? And how can you gain entrance to that door without making noise?
12: But if you're going into that porch, it also speaks to the fact that they did have multiple trained attack dogs surveilling this area. Why didn't those attack dogs attack? Because there's a quite a bit of a runway for you to get up to that porch. And is it possible that they knocked on the door? They knew one another, their family was very close or had very close bonds. Angela Wagner was there, a woman, a mom. So wouldn't you go to the door a little more, even if you were at odds, if the dads, for example, Chris Sr. and maybe Billy Wagner were at odds over something, we've heard this. But you know, his wife is there, Angela, you're like, oh, what's happening? You'd be more
10: likely to open your door. It seems implausible that they would draw them to the door You know, it makes me, it really makes me think, why would they be in the bedroom? And how did the perpetrators get into the bedroom without these guys knowing it? That tells me that maybe there was a hidden key
12: it does make sense about perhaps a hidden key. Certainly, we don't know this is fact, this is speculation, but we do know that they were running serious surveillance on the family. They have cameras at each of the locations in the homes, really doing some top level surveillance on the family. And Jake, the youngest son, was there quite a bit because he was sharing custody with the youngest daughter. And for a long period of time, they would tick tock between homes. You get to know the location in the area very, very well. Joseph speculated about why Chris Sr. may
3: have been targeted first.
10: He apparently was identified as a primary target or at least as a primary threat. In our language, and you hear this in the news media quite a bit and on television shows and whatnot, but there really is truly something that is referred to as overkill. You know, in Chris Sr.'s case, he was shot nine times. What do you make of the brutality of that? It kind of begs that question, well, either you view that person as a threat. Maybe you see that they're going to charge you. Maybe you have an awareness of what their potential for violence is and that you want to prevent that. There's evidence that he attempted or reacted at least to the point where he raised his arm. Uh, He's taken one round in his right forearm. But this is the part that is very, very curious. It says that a round passed through a door. I don't know which door. He was in a bedroom. Maybe it was the door to his bedroom, or maybe he was hiding behind a door. But then it goes on to say that that round, in turn, passed into his body. So, you know, we're, we're learning just in the sequencing with uh, with the senior among, among the Roden clan that there was a lot of firepower that was essentially uh, directed toward him you know he resided in the trailer with Gary so we can surmise that if Christina was first then Gary would have had to have been second because they occupy the same essentially the same space you know I guess they have separate bedrooms but Gary didn't receive the same amount of attention that Chris Senior. He was only shot three times, but these three gunshot wounds he sustained, two were to the head, and it's kind of non-specific in the descriptor. But we know that one was in the face, and this is kind of a theme that that you see running through the nature of all of these killings, and I find that kind of interesting um, because anytime someone has shot an individual in the face. From a profile standpoint, that gives you the attitude that the individual is looking at them, at the shooter, when they're fired upon.
3: We're going to take a quick break here. We'll be back in a moment.
4: Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection helps you identify threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft, but LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here.
7: At times, it is hard to not be discouraged. Climate change, abortion bans, rising inequality, attacks on the LGBTQ plus community. That's why you march, vote, write your congressperson, and try to do your part. One small thing you can do is switch your mobile phone to Credo Mobile. Credo Mobile is America's only progressive mobile phone company, and they donate a portion of their proceeds to progressive nonprofit groups each month, like March for Our Lives, Planned Parenthood, the Transgender Law Center, and so many more. When you join Credo Mobile, you're not just getting service on the nation's best network. You're joining the phone company that's better for all people and the planet. Just by using your phone, you are funding the causes you care most about at no extra cost to you. Learn more at credomobile.com. And right now, when you switch your phone to Credo, you can get a $250 prepaid card, and they'll donate $50 to the Transgender Law Center when you use the code PODCAST50. Together, we can make a difference. That's Credo code podcast 50
6: he'll forget about the video game you gave him on his birthday
7: wow thanks grandpa
6: but he'll never forget how you invested in his future with the unest app wow
12: thanks grandpa
6: don't just give them any gift give them a gift that can grow with them invite grandparents and family friends to contribute to your child's future with the unest app unest is an investment account for kids that makes it easy to gift funds that can be used for college tuition their first home and more just by sharing a link or include a unest QR code on party invitations for birthdays and holidays for a limited time download the unest app and use the code iheart50 at sign up to receive a $50 bonus when you fund your account that's code iheart50 when you sign up at unest.co for a $50 bonus the terms and conditions at unes.co
2: I'm Katie Lowe's. I'm an actor, a podcast host, a mom, and honestly, very tired most of the time.
11: And I'm Adam Shapiro, an actor, a pretzel maker, a dad, and Katie's husband. And we're so excited because we're the new hosts of Chasing Sleep, the production of Ruby Studios from iHeart Media in partnership with Mattress Firm.
2: Sleep affects your physical and mental performance, your family dynamics, and your quality of life as you grow older. Sleep can even affect
3: parenting. Sleep does change very rapidly throughout childhood, the chronotype of child will shift. Biologically, teenagers are not able to get enough sleep and get up at 6 a.m. to go to school. That's just literally not possible. So we have to start high schools later. That's one of the biggest public health things we can and should do immediately.
11: We're going to talk to the experts who will help everyday people like us explore the mysteries behind our own sleep. So listen to Chasing Sleep on the iHeartRadio app,
2: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Victims Chris Sr. and Gary Roden's crime scene potentially held a cache of clues for investigators.
10: We know that this scene in particular was very bloody, okay, because we know that Chris Sr. was shot multiple times. So when we examine a scene, that is a treasure trove of evidence collection there. If someone has tried to clean themselves, clean their hands, washed down a weapon, maybe tried to repair an injury of their own. You've got evidence sitting in the drain. And this is something they would have had to have accounted for. So all of the drain traps, everything within there would have had to have been secured. What if something got flushed down the toilet? Well, you know, because now that's going to go into a septic tank since this is so isolated, they're not going to be on city sewer system. Logistically, it's a freaking nightmare. I mean, for a crime scene person. It is an absolute nightmare. You have to make sure that all of your bases are, are covered.
3: Outside Chris Roden Sr.'s home was potentially even more evidence.
10: Here comes the big part, that porch right there, which is a point of egress. You need to keep that in mind. That is a point through which somebody entered this damn dwelling. Just let that sink in for a second. That's gotta be detached and moved. Now it looks like they have a concrete slab parking area that's actually very nice. It's got a trailer, a red truck, uh, a gray truck, and a small car that's parked right by the sidewalk. And that sidewalk is poured concrete as well. That's all gonna contain potential evidence.
12: We know that that is an important piece of, it's almost like a footprint, right, that has so much um, potential DNA or blood or something that seeps into it.
10: Yeah, potentially blood evidence, more than likely, uh, if they traipse out of that house. This would have required a Herculean effort upon the authorities there.
3: As we mentioned, crime scene photos were never released. There were also very few on-the-ground photos of the surrounding area because the entire road was closed to the public. However, the aerial shots provide valuable insight into the crime scenes. Most likely, the killers then moved to the trailer just a few hundred yards away where Frankie Roden and his fiancée Hannah Gilly were living with Frankie's toddler and the couple's six-month-old
12: baby boy. I always pictured it much further apart from one another. It looks as though, and again, this is an aerial shot, you could on foot run from Chris Sr.'s home to Frankie, where he and Hannah were sleeping.
10: Making it up to, to Frankie and Hannah uh, would be, that, that's no effort whatsoever. And if you've been surveilling the area and keeping you know detailed notes on movements of people and this sort of thing, it wouldn't be a problem at all in order to facilitate that.
3: The proximity of the homes most likely forced the killers to utilize some critical tools, silencers. We know from courtroom testimony that a homemade silencer was found at a property owned by the Wagners.
12: Having silencers when these crime scenes are so close together seems like they would have to, and it does sound as though from what we've researched that Frankie Rodin and his fiance Hannah Gilly and their 3-year-old son, Frankie's 3-year-old son, they were sleeping at the time.
10: Absolutely. And the other thing is this is not something that you would do in the dark. You want to make sure because you're you're going there to specifically execute these people, to kill them. You want to make sure that you're going to shoot them. So unless you, you've you got flashlights in your hand, which they very well might have, you're going to flip the switch. As soon as you walk through the door, light switch is right there
3: the element of surprise allowed the killers to get within intimate range
10: of their victims. With a gunshot wound, you don't think about that as being intimate, but if you start scoring headshots, particularly multiple headshots, you know that there is kind of a close approximation uh, of of the perpetrator to the victim in that particular case. So it, it tells a different tale. And, you know, with gunshot wounds to the head, particularly multiple ones, you want to think about, well, where are they shot in the head? If it is an execution style to the back of the head, that's one thing that I'm not saying that the person is being humane that's doing it, but they want it over with and done as quickly as possible. When you start talking about shooting people in the face, this is something different, particularly if it's multiple times. First off, the individual has the potential to visualize you as you're doing it, and you're visualizing them, that brings it up to another level.
12: Execution style means from the back of the head, so you don't have to make eye contact with your victim, which makes sense.
10: Yeah, that's a classic interpretation of it. Like when I'm talking to somebody, a fellow death investigator, a fellow forensic science person, if I say, "Yeah, it was an execution-style shooting," automatically for me, and I would assume for most of my colleagues, we're going to think, "Okay, they're probably shot in the occiput." Which, if you put your hand, you know, your fingers on the backside of your head, and you feel that. Big knot in the back of your skull, that's your occiput. That's where your cerebellum dwells, where your primal brain dwells. And there's mercy. There's mercy in the occiput back there. You know why there's mercy? Because if you fire into that area, it's almost an instantaneous death. But if you start shooting people all over their body and you do it multiple times, and particularly if you approach them and shoot them in the face, there's no guarantee they're dead instantly. No, no guarantee whatsoever.
3: According to Morgan, the killers then likely traveled a mile and a half up the road where victims Dana, Chris Jr., and Hannah Roden lived.
10: You know, I can't imagine that Dana poses the same threat level, say, for instance, as Chris Sr. Chris pretty robust kind of guy, big guy, you know, worked outdoors with cars and whatnot. He's familiar with weapons. I would imagine he could pose a threat. But this mother living in her trailer with her kids what what threat did she did she pose? Is she the focus of a tremendous amount of anger? Well when you combine the fact that they have committed overkill here with the shooting of her in her skull so many times and then they move to shoot her in a manner in which could potentially disfigure her this seems to me almost a messaging. That sent out, the people that are perpetrating this have purpose to them. We have the other Hannah. Now what kind of person could stand over a young woman and fire around into her face while staring at her and her baby? You're visualizing this. This is not something that's done in abstract. You're not a long, long distance away. You're up close and personal. And these rooms are they're, you know, it's it's not the Taj Mahal here. I mean, it's they're not real, real tiny, but they're pretty small. Um, You're going to be on top of her when you're doing this. Jeff
3: wondered how the brutal precision executed by the killers could play into the prosecution's case.
4: Does that come into play that they shoot a mother holding her baby twice in the head? Does that make it worse than shooting her once?
10: This is a prosecutor's dream if you're talking about a narrative, all right? It takes such savagery on the part of an individual to do this. You look at Chris Junior who is indwelling uh, this place and he's he's shot. It's kind of nonspecific. We do know that that he was actually shot uh, uh, multiple times in the head and he's a yeah, sixteen year old kid. You know, what 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 threat does does he pose? Why why would you take the life of a sixteen year old boy there? I, I don't I don't understand that. I think at the end of the day when we Analyze all of these these shootings. There's a thread. Obviously, I've talked about about the overkill that that goes into all of this, but there's a, a proximal issue here too. That that is that you're getting into the space of these victims.
3: Then it's likely the killers targeted their last victim, Kenneth Roden, who was sleeping in a trailer a few miles away on Left Fork Road. However, Kenneth's crime scene was strikingly different from the other rodent
9: victims. This is the end, the big finale, and they shoot this guy in the eye. Now, you know, this idea that he is shot in the eye, again, this goes to another level of violence here. Literally, did he see this coming at that moment in time? And then to kind of, you know, put the, the icing on the cake, you, you know, you drop dollar bills around. Again, that goes to motive. You're you're trying to put the police on the scent, that this is something other than what it appears i've worked cartel related homicides before yeah there's messaging that goes along with this sort of thing but again is that what they were going for this is a different type of staging you're not trying to mitigate uh, the idea that it's something other than homicide it's still a homicide you're trying this goes to to the motivation behind the homicide to put them off scent and that's a very very interesting narrative when you begin to you know kind of think about it i believe
12: in your professional experience have you ever heard of a family that operates as a foursome to different locations in this manner that's pretty uncommon i would assume
9: never i did work in two major metropolitan areas as coroner and medical examiner investigator i've never encountered it
3: the sheer barbarity of the Roden murders will be a critical part of the story But one element in particular will be crucial to convey to the jury. Jeff asked Joseph Morgan about it.
4: I'm just curious, like, how the prosecutors were going to want to talk about the question of whether or not the victims were aware their life was going to end and how that might impact the jury.
10: It's going to be critical for the prosecutor to be able to take the information that the investigators have developed in the field. And, you know, working these scenes in particular, the time these little markers and time along the way, uh, how well were they able to document the actions that took place within the environment? If they can get that information out into open court, then they'll begin to talk about, I can envision a closing statement in particular, a prosecutor would stand up there and say, they took their time. We have them documented as being in this location or this particular time, and you as a jury have to consider this. What were they saying what were they doing while they were in there did these people know that they were about to die and of course the prosecutor it's their job to put as horrible as it is to put the jury members in the place of the victims to help them understand because everybody's been in fear of their life the end of their life at some point in time. so you have to make that almost you can't do it but you want to make it as almost tactile as you possibly can so the people in the jury they feel that stirring within their soul where they understand, okay, these people were at a critical mass and they knew that it was about to happen. What would I do in that moment Tom, time where I lo- realized that my life was actually coming to an end?
3: Let's stop here for another quick break. We'll be back in a moment.
7: At times, it is hard to not be discouraged. Climate change, abortion bans, rising inequality, attacks on the LGBTQ+ community. That's why you march, vote, write your congressperson, and try to do your part. One small thing you can do is switch your mobile phone to Credo Mobile. Credo Mobile is America's only progressive mobile phone company, and they donate a portion of their proceeds to progressive nonprofit groups each month, like March for Our Lives. Planned Parenthood, the Transgender Law Center, and so many more. When you join Credo Mobile, you're not just getting service on the nation's best network. You're joining the phone company that's better for all people and the planet. Just by using your phone, you are funding the causes you care most about at no extra cost to you. Learn more at credomobile.com. And right now, when you switch your phone to Credo, you can get a $250 prepaid card, and they'll donate $50 to the Transgender Law Center when you use the code PODCAST50. Together, we can make a difference. That's credomobile.com, code PODCAST50.
6: He'll forget about the video game you gave him on his birthday. Wow! Thanks, Grandpa! But he'll never forget how you invested in his future with the Unest app. Wow.
12: Thanks, Grandpa.
6: Don't just give them any gift. Give them a gift that can grow with them. Invite grandparents and family friends to contribute to your child's future with the Unest app. Unest is an investment account for kids that makes it easy to gift funds that can be used for college tuition, their first home, and more just by sharing the link. Or include a Unest QR code on party invitations for birthdays and holidays. For a limited time, download the Unest app and use the code iHeart50 at sign up to receive a $50 bonus when you fund your account. That's code iHeart50 when you sign up at unest.co for a $50 bonus. See terms and conditions at unes.co.
2: I'm Katie Lowes. I'm an actor, a podcast host, a mom, and honestly, very tired most of the time.
11: And I'm Adam Shapiro, an actor, a pretzel maker, a dad, and Katie's husband. And we're so excited because we're the new hosts of Chasing Sleep, the production of Ruby Studios from iHeart Media in partnership with Mattress Firm.
2: Sleep affects your physical and mental performance, your family dynamics, and your quality of life as you grow older.
1: Sleep can even affect dreaming life. The dreams come to us Naturally, But we have to provide the action as individuals. The first question that I always ask the dreamer is, how are you feeling in the dream? The mad, sad, glad, or afraid. If we can narrow our emotions down to that, then we can take some action.
11: We're going to talk to the experts who will help everyday people like us explore the mysteries behind our own sleep. So listen to Chasing Sleep on the
2: iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
8: CuriosityStream is the streaming service built by and for people who want to know more. More about our world and beyond. CuriosityStream has the best collection of documentary films and TV shows about everything from the history of human migration to the future of space travel. With thousands of titles, Curiosity has something for everyone. Science, wildlife, travel, human stories, culture, and pretty much anything you're curious about. Watch CuriosityStream on your TV or any digital device all around the world. Just go to curiositystream.com to sign up or download the app now. You'll have access to brand new titles dropping every week, filled with new discoveries and new stories that'll open your eyes to the world around us. And with monthly, annual, and bundled pricing plans, it's easy to find one that works for you and your budget. Go to curiositystream.com to satisfy your curiosity and sign up today.
10: I think that even a trained assassin would find it foolhardy to go about trying to kill eight people on the same evening. Covering this much territory, there are too many things that can go wrong unless you have somebody watching your back. You're going to have to have a person that potentially is a lookout or a transporter. You're going to have to have somebody that can muscle or control the intended victims, and then you have to have a shooter. And then, ideally, you would, in fact, need somebody that's doing overall coordination, because this logistically, it's a daunting task, I think, to say the very least, you know, in this particular case, uh, there are too many variables involved. But even after you plan, perpetrators are not crime scene investigators. They don't think like crime scene investigators. They're so very rare. Uh, Most of the cases that that we work as investigators, there is a huge opportunity for these people to screw up along the way, to leave something behind that is a direct indicator of their involvement, or at least presence, uh, when these deaths occur.
3: And in this case, what was left behind included three young children. According to Morgan, these spared lives go directly to the heart of the presiding motive of the case.
10: The singular driver behind this. It has to, those, those children, um, hold value. Uh, the attachment to the children is the driver behind this. When you get overkill in, in my experience, at least it goes to a lot of anger. It goes to a lot of passion and you'll see it in domestics. You go to all this trouble, but yet you leave these three babies alive and you have to, you know, you begin to kind of question this. And it it as an investigator, it takes you down a specific direction. Who would attach value to these children? Who would want to see them continue to live and still exist among the land of the living up there in Pike County?
3: When accused killers Billy, Angela, and George Wagner head to trial, prosecutors will paint them as the main characters in a gruesome, multi-layered horror story.
10: Good prosecutors are great storytellers. That's their heartbeat. If they are affected, they take all these little pieces of evidence, all the stuff we've been talking about, and they tighten that thing down and they walk in that courtroom and they start talking about mamas and they start talking about babies and they start talking about these familial ties. And it it will be powerful in court. It will be very powerful. And I can can almost see it now. Uh, I'm envisioning right now when he starts talking about this, And you can see that jury, there'll be a slow turn of their heads toward that defendant's table. No matter who's on trial at that particular time, because they will talk about mama and they will talk about those babies. And they're going to stare that individual down and they're going to think, who in the hell is in the courtroom with us right now?
3: While we wait to see if Billy, Angela, and George Wagner will head to trial, there's one man intimately involved in the Roden murder case who has already seen his day in court. Pike County Sheriff Charles Reeder.
6: After the Roden murders, he became front and center of all of the coverage. He was giving information alongside the Ohio Attorney General at that time. People were looking to him for information, and they wanted Reeder, along with the state of Ohio, to solve these murders from all of the coverage uh, that went into Pike County in the months after these murders, I mean, Charlie Reeder was a central figure in that.
3: But Sheriff Reeder had a quick fall from grace. In June 2019, he was indicted on eight felonies and eight misdemeanors. His charges included theft in office and tampering with evidence.
6: That was huge news, not only because of his involvement in the Roden murders, but I mean, you're talking about the sitting sheriff, the high sheriff of Pike County, is now the subject of an investigation, evidence of misconduct, evidence of corruption by a politician. You're going, man, I don't know what may happen with this.
3: On March 24th, 2021, Sheriff Frieder appeared in court to face the charges leveled against him. A guilty verdict would have major consequences.
2: If you're a defense attorney working on this case, and the sheriff of the county gets indicted, I would think, you know, if you're a Wagner attorney, you would look to have a field day with that. That might be part of your defense.
3: More on that next time. For more information on the case and relevant photos, follow us on Instagram at kt underscore studios. The Piketon Massacre Return to Pike County is executive produced by Stephanie Lidecker and me, Courtney Armstrong. Editing and sound design by executive producer Jared Aston. Additional producing by Jeff Shane, Andrew Becker, and Chris Graves. The Piketon Massacre Return to Pike County is a production of iHeartRadio and KT Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
8: Have you cut the cord and are feeling bored with your streaming services? CuriosityStream can help. With thousands of documentary films and TV shows, let CuriosityStream put the science back in your screen time, astound you with history come to life, and wildlife that will reach out and grab you. We've got the fix for your nonfiction fascination. With monthly annual and bundled plans, find one for you at CuriosityStream.com.
11: Buenos dias from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Went. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And
4: together, we're your hosts for season two of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio and the global conservation organization behind the world-famous San Diego Zoo and the immersive San Diego
11: Zoo Safari Park. Hear incredible stories and learn more about the science behind the creatures that we love and our conservation efforts around the globe.
4: Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Summer is here and our sleep is just as important as our weekend plans. So get the sleep you deserve with Lisa. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows during our summer sale. Check out our hybrid mattress designed to keep you cool during those hot summer nights. Lisa also offers free shipping and a risk-free 100-night trial. Get the sleep you deserve. Shop our summer sale now and save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows at Lisa.com. That's L-E-E-S-A.com.
7: Exclusions apply. Visit Lisa.com for details. The Children of Heroes Charity Fund needs your help to support the thousands of Ukrainian children who've lost one or both parents due to the Russian
1: invasion.
7: A monthly donation of just $12 can provide medical insurance for a child who has lost a parent. To donate, visit childrenheroes.org help. That's childrenheroes.org help. Children of Heroes, urgent help for Ukrainian children
0: today for a brighter tomorrow. Listen to Season 2 of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi guys, Nancy Grace
1: here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by
2: me, Danielle Robay. And me, Simone Boyce.